How will this end? In fire. A storm is coming. Our storm. And when it arrives, it will shake the universe. Emperor! We come for you! Long live the fighters! Chaplet Perilous, with your host, Doc Savage. Response to my first chaplet has been encouraging, so please, dear listeners, continue to harass me on Twitter, at DocSavage45B, as in Bravo, or send me an email at DocSavage45B at Outlook.com. With that in mind, let us pray. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who roam through the world seeking the ruin of souls. O glorious Prince Saint Michael, Chief and Commander of the Heavenly Hosts, Guardian of Souls, Vanquisher of Rebel Spirits, Servant in the House of the Divine King, and our Admirable Conductor, you who shine with excellence and superhuman virtue, deliver us from all evil, who turn to you with confidence, and enable us by your gracious protection to serve God more faithfully every day. Amen. In the spirit of fellowship and camaraderie and manly cooperation and encouragement, as iron sharpens iron, it is in this spirit that I feel critical to our cultural rebirth that I take great pleasure in inaugurating a new segment for Chapel Perilous. Ask Dr. Savage. Today's question is from Camarade Jacques. Cheers, fam. You know who you are. I don't watch porn and tell others not to. But I have recently started smoking again, and some of my friends like to throw the, quote, body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, end quote, line at me for smoking, and they seem to think that tobacco is worse than porno and self-abuse. My response is that my friends are placing more value on the material than the spiritual. What say you? Well, dear listeners and camaraden, I would first direct you to listen to... Mysterium Fascis, episode 31, Sexual Ethics, where we break down this very question in great, great detail, as, as is our way, I suppose. But more directly, brethren, comrades, comrade Jacques, you are 100% correct. Pornography is very much worse than drinking or smoking. And I shall prove this from scripture very simply. Onan, strong before the Lord, was punished with death for spilling his seed upon the ground rather than in his wife. 
Otherwise, contrariwise, our Lord's first miracle was creating wine from water for a wedding feast. Well, it is said from tradition that wherever the Catholic sun doth shine, there is always laughter and good red wine. At least I've always found it so. Benedicamus Domino. In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. If the great Chester Belloc agree on this, this should settle the matter. But seriously, brethren, think about it. God created the world and called it good. There is no evil in enjoying good things, within moderation. But misusing the mystery of marriage? Marriage, understand, is one of the seven sacraments. To misuse, to abuse the sacrament of marriage in any unnatural or gross way is sacrilege. It's offensive to God. It's a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Very serious stuff. So, Doc Savage tells you, delete your porn folder and stop the lewd posting. Is this difficult? Yes. Hell yes, it's difficult. <laughs> Look, this is something I, I struggle with myself. I still struggle with this. The only things that work are work, prayer, and fasting. Pretty much in that order. I... <laughs> Remember your grandmother saying, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Well, she was right. You see, working, work helps us by keeping us busy, by keeping us distracted, by occupying the mind with a task at hand rather than entertaining passionate and lewd thoughts, exciting the animal appetitive desires. Also, being too tired to lie awake at night really helps. Prayer. You know, it, it defies any sort of rational cause and effect analysis or explanation, but prayer really does help. That's why I call it grace, kids. It's the gift of God freely given if we but ask. The more you pray, the easier it is to resist, resist temptation. Maybe we can construct a psychological just-so story to explain this away. But that's pride talking. Ask your father for help, and he will help you. Fasting. Virtue is 80% good habits and 20% self-control in an emergency. Fasting helps with both. Establishing a habit of self-denial in one area makes self-denial in another area that much easier, even in an unexpected time and place. There's nothing like a traditional Lenten fast or a great Pascha to harness the body to the mind. The traditional Christian life, ringed about with feasts and fasts and procession and prayers, is a soldier's life. We're always either training for the battle, fighting the battle, or celebrating a victory, or mourning a loss. Okay, well, that is our first segment. 
Let's all enjoy a musical interlude.
why am I here, dear listeners? So that, by preaching the reason for the hope that lives in me, I might win over others to that hope, and that together we might find again that strength of old, and be men amongst men, an iron that sharpens iron. The last time we spoke, I recalled for you my own journey from unbelief to conviction in Christ, our Lord and Savior, and in his one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church, of how coming from a middle Americaner Mormon ethos I swam the Tiber, only to find something wrong, an odor of corruption, even there. First it was the liturgy, and, I must say, by comparison with, say, Germany or Los Angeles, the conservative Novus Ordo Mass in my area was nowhere near as bad and gay as it could very well be. But even the the right of EWTN, shall we say, is just missing something, missing something profound, something transcendent, something awesome. And then I was I was taking in the Novus Ordo RCIA materials. That's Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults, for those of you playing at home. And it was all just garbage. Hot garbage. The Inquisition and Crusades as sins that Catholics should apologize for. Beating our breasts about the wrongs done to Galileo. Opening ourselves up to evolution and science and modernity. All religions as equal vehicles of salvation. No, really. According to the instructor, you didn't have to be a Catholic to be saved. In fact, it was probably easier if you weren't. <laughs> At Vatican II, we opened up the church and everyone left. Well, no wonder. You just told them that they could and that they should be ashamed for staying. So, you know, I'm, I, I started doing my own catechism, you know, reading Baltimore and the Fish Eaters Forum and listening to uh, Canon Father Hess and his talks, working out why the liturgy as it was available commonly, you know, everywhere I knew where to look, it was bad and gay and the doctrine seems to have turned 180 degrees on its head. And then I found something. I, I listened to something that changed my life. It was an interview of Bishop Richard Williamson by Dr. Kevin Barnett, Barrett, where Bishop Williamson challenged me, anyone listening, to choose between the Holocaust and Christ, between Holocaustianity and Christianity. And it was, once you make that choice, once I made that choice, everything else falls into place. The truth shall set you free. Not only did six Gorillion not die in gas chambers, the manufactured shame of that lie was used to disarm Christendom of the sword of truth and the armor of faith. 
a new religion has been counterfeited and shoved down our throats. A new victim, the Jews, a new Golgotha, Auschwitz, a new sacrifice, the Holocaust, all of which constitute at once the redemptive sacrifice for the believer and the original sin for the Europeans. They tell us, constantly shove it in our ears and down our throats, that nothing is possible after Auschwitz. Nothing is good after Auschwitz. Nothing is beautiful after Auschwitz. It's all nihilism all the way down. And for us, the always forever guilty, nothing. An original sin for which we must suffer the scourges of multiculturalism and racial diversity, of white subordination, of white guilt, white genocide. All the threads that I've been pulling at in my entire past life, communism, socialism, democracy, banksters, illuminism, technocracy, enlightenment, masonry, satanism, heck, aliens, new world order, and Zog, all of it, all of it, all fronts for this new cult of Holocaustianity. The money changers had claimed the temple, and through the temple, our nations, our governments, our very civilization. Ah, hell no. Nah. We ain't having that. We're taking it all back. Every bit of it. And it starts here starts now. How? First, we have to have the right ideas. Ideas have consequences. They shape how we interact with the world. Ideas like philosophy and religion are just as important in these scientific latter days as they were for our ancestors, if not more so. Consider from the socio-biological point of view, assuming for a moment, granting for the sake of argument, that evolution isn't just a scam. Okay, I know, it's a big ask, but philosophy and religion must serve a purpose that increased the survival chances for the humans that use those things as tools. Now consider that the combination of philosophy and religion, particular to Western civilization, Let's, again, be clear here, Christendom, which includes natural philosophy, which is to say science, all of this together must be objectively better than all of the others, because Western civilization, again, Christendom, has been that much more powerful, that much more beautiful, that much more true and good than all the others. Let's turn an old saying around, shall we? Right makes might. So what then is the religious philosophical system of the West? This is not a particularly difficult question, but the answer is most unpleasant to the secular mind. Uh, if this offends you, dear listeners, I suggest you stick your fingers in your ears and hum real loud. Orthodox, Catholic, Apostolic, Christianity, Thomistic, Aristelian, Scholasticism, and Natural Science. Together, these three legs are the tripod upon which our civilization, Christendom, the West, Europa, 
are founded. And of course, the modern man, the modern mind, has discarded two of these legs. The tripod is <laughs> a monopod. <laughs> we're, on, we're left with a pogo stick of modernity. Yeah, I know, it's ridiculous, but that's what it is. As a consequence of the primacy of idea and the medium of language, the language through which we understand the world, that con one of those consequences anyway, is the importance of story, of myth, a narrative by which we apprehend the relationships between subject and object, between ourselves and the world and each other. We understand the world around us through ideas, but if we understand ourselves in context through stories, through myth, through poetry, the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. If men are to live together as men and not as crabs in a bucket, we must have good stories to serve as our measuring stick, our ruler. Man does not live by bread alone. Change his ideas, his stories, and his ass will follow. Note, this is an argument for virtue, as classically understood. It, not necessarily sterility, or cleanliness, or puritanism, moralism. Life is down and dirty. No one gets out alive. If you don't get dirt and blood on your hands once in a while, you're doing it wrong. We should all adore the uncensored, original Grimm's fairy tales. But the dirtiness must serve a greater purpose. Dirt for dirt's sake is an empty phrase. Give me dirt for better contrasting the good, better contrasting the true and the beautiful. As the great De Maestra tells us, the whole earth, perpetually steeped in blood, is nothing but a vast altar upon which all that is living must be sacrificed without end, without measure, without pause, until the consummation of all things, until evil is extinct, until the death of death. In the whole vast dome of living nature, there reigns an open violence, a kind of prescriptive fury which arms all the creatures to their common doom. As soon as you leave the inanimate kingdom, you find the decree of violent death inscribed upon the very frontiers of life. You feel it already in the vegetable kingdom, from the great catalpa to the humblest herb. How many plants die and how many are killed? But from the moment you enter the animal kingdom, this law is suddenly the most dreadful in evidence a power, a violence at once, at once hidden and palpable, has in each species appointed a certain number of animals to devour the others. And who, in the midst of this general carnage, exterminates him who will exterminate all others? Himself. It is man 
who is charged with the slaughter of man. Warfare is the defining feature of the human experience. In fact, we may safely go so far as to say that peace is a hypothetical state of affairs, whose presence has been deduced from the fact that there have been intervals between wars. This will only change when, firstly, the state of nature that prevails in the society of states is replaced by a, a sovereignty, and secondly, that the civilizations of the world are united by a single culture, and a single language, and a single philosophical religious system. Whether or not this state of affairs is, or can be, virtuous and desirable, let us leave to another time. Since warfare is the default state of relations of mankind as a whole, the state is necessary, like fire, for it is the state unique among all forms by which humans can organize themselves that reliably wins wars, or at least survives the losing of them. But the state, like all the other tools made by men, is meant to serve their needs, not to master men. That method by which a ship of state is piloted, that we call government and politics, is a matter of literal life and death. Thusly are those who attack the very ship of state itself, seeking to break her timbers up and free man into the swirling waters and raging seas of fate, are called and numbered amongst the general enemies of mankind. Thus our struggle must be to claim the state, to wrest it back from those who wish to enslave us and drain us like the transhuman vampire counts they wish to make themselves be. We may either be their cattle for those psychopathic elites to milk and to sacrifice and to eat as they wish, or we may be soldiers, warriors in the host of heaven. There are only two masters that one may serve in the end. Choose, white man, choose wisely. Remember that virtue exists as a median between two extremes. An extreme of excess and an extreme of defect. Too much or too little of a good. Evil has no existence of its own, only a privation, an absence, an abscess, just as the darkness is the absence of light. All that is coming, all that is portended before us, the clouds gathering on the horizon, the flocks of carrion birds circling in the air, this has all happened before, and will all happen again. There is nothing new under the sun. Dear listeners, be assured, winter is coming, but after winter comes the spring. All is struggle, and it is the question of this time and this place whether we, 
the sons and daughters of Adam, of Japhet, of Europa, Joshua and David and Leonidas will survive, thrive, and live to present themselves in victory at the end of the race to the great judge of all things. There at the end he waits, at the end of time and history, Dryton and mighty chief of chiefs, waiting to gift crowns and laurels and rings to his faithful warriors and handfast men true to their salt to the end. We who are about to die offer our suffering, our blood, our tears, our struggle to you, crucified Lord. Hail Christ the King! Hail victory!
once again, it is time for Doc's Poetry Time. The Gods of the Copybook Headings by Rudyard Kipling. As I pass through my incarnations in every age and race, I make my proper prostrations to the gods of the marketplace. Peering through reverent fingers, I watch them flourish and fall, and the gods of the copybook headings, I notice, outlast them all. We were living in trees when they met us, they showed us each in turn, that water would certainly wet us, as fire would certainly burn. But we found them lacking in uplift, vision, and breadth of mind. So we left them to teach the gorillas, while we followed the march of mankind. We moved as the spirit listed, they never altered their pace. Being neither cloud nor wind-borne like the gods of the market-place. But they always caught up with our progress, and presently word would come that a tribe had been wiped off its ice-field, or the lights had gone out in Rome. With the hopes that our world is built on, they were utterly out of touch. They denied that the moon was Stilton. They denied she was even Dutch. They denied that wishes were horses. They denied that a pig had wings. So we worshipped the gods of the market, who promised these beautiful things. When the Cambrian measures were forming, they promised perpetual peace. They swore if we gave them our weapons, the wars of the tribes would cease. But when we disarmed, they sold us and delivered us bound to our foe, and the gods of the copybook headings said, Stick to the devil ye you know. On the first Fimian sandstones we were promised the fuller life, which started by loving our neighbor, and ended by loving his wife till our women had no more children, and the men lost reason and faith, and the gods of the copybook headings said the wages of sin is death. In the Carboniferous Epoch we were promised abundance for all, by robbing selected Peter to pay for collective Paul. But though we had plenty of money, there was nothing our money could buy and the gods of the copybook headings said, If you don't work, you die. Then the gods of the market tumbled, and their smooth-tongued wizards withdrew, and the hearts of the meanest were humbled, and began to believe it was true, that all is not gold that glitters, and two and two make four. And the gods of the copybook headings limped up to explain it once more. As it will be in the future, it was at the birth of man. There are only four things certain since social progress began. The dog returns to his vomit, and the sow returns to her mire. 
and the burnt fool's bandaged finger goes wobbling back to the fire. And after that is accomplished, and the brave new world begins, when all men are paid for existing, and no man must pay for his sins, as surely as water will wet us, as surely as fire will burn, the gods of the copybook headings with terror and slaughter return. And that's our program for the evening, dear listeners. I hope I have left you with something to think about. As you consider our discussion this evening, please, again, feel free to bother me, pester me, send me messages on Twitter, at DocSavage45B, or send me an email at Doc savage 45b as in bravo at outlook.com good night and as always ave christus rex ave maria gratia plena ave victoria